If someone were afraid of the dentist, maybe they haven't been in a long time, maybe they're embarrassed because they haven't been in a while, I feel like this would be a really safe place for them to go and get the care that they need. At Advanced Dentistry, we get it. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, if you want to learn how IV sedation can change your life, visit NoFearDentist.com. and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Aaron Ryan. This week, Kieran Deal and Grace Parra join me to have a schadenfreude gasm over the Manafort and Cohen legal trouble, assess the state of the Me Too movement in light of the Asia Argento news, and talk about how hard it is to get movies made starring people who aren't white dudes. And keep listening to find out how abortion ice cream tastes. So I'm at the point in the news cycle where we're recording this on Wednesday morning. I am tired of jokes about how there's no news happening. Like there's so much news happening that everyone has made the joke that there's, there's too much news happening. Before we get to the news, I wanted to get into some housekeeping. Outside Lands, that was so fun. Yeah. Thank you to everybody who came to our first live show. And thank you to Phoebe Robinson, who was an incredible guest. And uh, we're looking forward to, at some point, doing more live shows in the future. So that was really fun. Yeah. Thank you to that picture of you guys looking like wood nymphs. We did look it's very adorable. We're so sylphy. One more housekeeping thing. More women than ever before have won major party primaries for governor. Awesome. That's super exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an Alaska primary this week as well. Last week there was like Minnesota, Wisconsin, a bunch of different places. Also, I think Wyoming which yeah. uh, Trump's guy lost. But women are kind of kicking ass, which is great, and uh, that that's good. But let's get into the schadenfreude part of today's episode of Hysteria. Oh, yes. The Germans have a great word <laughs> for the, the shameful joy you feel when bad things happen to people you don't like. Um, Donald Trump's former personal attorney, Michael Cohen, is going to jail, likely, after admitting while pleading guilty that, among other things, at Trump's direction, he paid women off to stay quiet about sexual relationships. Donald Trump's former campaign manager, Paul Manafort, was also yesterday found guilty of eight counts of various financial skullduggery that veered into nincompoopery Mm. after his former deputy, Rick Gates, turned on his former boss and testified. Gates is himself guilty of stealing and spending millions to finance a handful of extramarital affairs, which is a pretty incredible feat, considering that the man looks like a peach that is turning into a raisin. Manafort, by the way, is in the same jail as Maria Butina, a 29-year-old Russian intelligence operative who used her feminine wiles to convince mediocre white red state Republican men that she was very interested in them sexually and in learning about guns. (laughs) I smell a reality show. I know. Manafort and Maria just hanging out. Oh, that's great. Locked up domestically. Yeah. I I mean, God. Okay. So here's my thing. I'm starting to think that the Republican Party is made up entirely of men who think strippers like them. <laughs> <laughs> starting to, Aaron. There's been there has been evidence for. I would I would say that's a that that seems like that goes across the aisle sometimes though. Oh you yeah, know, you know that's yeah. true. They're like they're like strippers, people who want to put their vaginas in my face. You <laughs> yeah, know, it's that like, seems ooh, like it's a bipartisan. A beautiful love. young person interested in me. A pile of mashed potatoes from Nebraska <laughs> that has to be real and yeah. not anything doesn't have anything to do with my uh, accessibility to power. So, Kieran, my question for you: How did you feel yesterday as the news just kind of kept on coming? Oh, just in general? Yeah, just in, how how did it make you feel? I live my life generally in a state of quiet panic all the time. Mm. So, I would say that just reading the news adds to that sense of yeah, I, and this is in general. I find that that there is a sense of uh there's a sense of overwhelm, which I'm sure that mm. you guys experience, I'm sure that people in the audience experience, you know? Mm-hmm. Cuz things happen so quickly, the news cycle so quick, and mm-hmm. it's so like knee-jerk. Mm-hmm. The reactions are so knee-jerk, but um but yeah, I think I think there's been some really interesting questions surrounding me too. I will say that this um the Michael Cohen development was really interesting in the sense that like now it seems like uh Donald Trump is getting a little zeroed in on, so yeah. some terrible things might happen. And that but was who exciting. Is individual one, that is my question. Yeah. <laughs> who is indiv- individual one in the uh in the Cohen proceedings? It uh, is is a mysterious 
certain president. Could be anyone. Could, a could cer- be anyone. A certain president. A certain presidential candidate. There, there's many. Um, from. But one I mean, who won. Yeah. Who who may who a certain United States current president who will remain nameless. Who I may or may not have worked for. Yeah. Says Michael Cohen. <laughs> Give Mueller on that one. Yeah. That's the doozy here. That's one of the things that that like listening to this or this whole yesterday uh, news barrage was every single news story eventually came down to women like their interactions with women paying women off stealing money to hide extramarital affairs omarosa releasing a tape uh, yeah omarosa re- releasing a tape melania is on her way to africa to teach them how to be best <laughs> it's just there's just these women are kind of at the root of this and i think that that's kind of a funny little epilogue for the grab them by the pussy president um, I think that women are at once tertiary to the actual action here and also uh, being put in positions of blame, ultimately. You know, if women weren't so sexual and throwing their vaginas in Trump's face or in any of these men's face, then they wouldn't have to pay them off. There's a lot know? of vagina throwing going on a on lot of show vagina today. Yeah. Really. It's just apt. I, I like, so I've apt. literally never thrown mine. I just, <laughs> I honestly have felt some twinges of jealousy too because I want to fix her. How come yeah. Trump gets a fixer? Mm. How lovely would it be if we all just got fixers to fix up our little messes? Then I think I'd be more inclined to take a lot of risks in life. Uh, and that, I think, is what we are seeing here. We're seeing a lot of risk takers taking risks that uh, really should be kept to their fantasies and uh, left there. But the, And usually it's like these are old dudes. These are old dudes. The, and that, that means that if they're getting caught now in a web of lies, the chances that you've done it a lot of times in the past mm-hmm. and gotten away with it, yeah. the behavior's been reinforced. Mm-hmm. Like this is... This is probably the tip of an iceberg that's right. enormous as opposed to something that is, you know, the opposite of that. Right. <laughs> well, these, it's like all of these guys, it, it's like watching a, you know, a seven, isn't Paul Manafort 69 years old? Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, he, nice. It's like yeah, watching nice. a, 60, a 69-year-old man going out and trying to throw a pass. Like, mm. he used to be a quarterback. It's like, we can assume that at some point in his previous life, or like in his earlier career, Paul Manafort was like the Joe Montana of corruption. Yeah. And now he's getting old. You know, he's getting sloppy and he's finally just got caught. Mm. Another thing that I wanted to, to say before we, because our, our friends at Pod Save America and Love It or Leave It and all different other crooked media podcasts are definitely going to be talking about this as well. Mm-hmm. But one thing I want to say before we move on is that I think that the feeling that I felt yesterday was out of breath. Like I was a little lightheaded and I was a little scared and a little turned on. Mm-hmm. I think because I was so excited about what was happening. I was like, yes, this is better than most dates I've gone. <laughs> but here's another thing that it reminded me of. It reminded me of the waning days of the 2016 campaign when we were all so fucking cocky mm-hmm. that Hillary Clinton was going to be the next president of the United States. And what ended up happening is that people didn't vote. People stayed home. Mm-hmm. People didn't take seriously the fact that Donald Trump could end up being president of the fucking United States. And what we have coming up in November is a chance to to flip the House, first of all, and to maybe flip the Senate. Once those things happen, then some actual consequences might fa- what might see Donald Trump's presidency. Mm-hmm. Like, w- what what we need to do, because the Republicans that are currently in charge, they're not going to do anything. We yeah. know that they're not going to do anything. The, th- the thing between what happened yesterday and something actually happening to Donald Trump is people voting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't be too cocky. I mean, it's fun to be cocky, <laughs> but we can't be too cocky. No, I, I don't think we can be at all. And I also think there's something else uh, amidst with uh, the Kavanaugh um, of it all, which uh, I think also is, I mean, it's very likely to happen. He's very likely to be confirmed. But I also think that there are some calls that we can make as everyday voters to try to stop that from happening, mm-hmm. which may not, again, come to fruition, but it is something that we can do. Uh, I'll also point you guys to this amazing video of Beto O'Rourke that's been making its ways. Obviously, I'm a Texan. Shout out to all my Texans out there. Um, but if you guys have not seen Beto uh, speak about uh uh, kneeling at uh, football games. I think you really should. And of course, he's running against Ted Cruz. He's an example of somebody who can really flip, uh, flip the script here. And I support him to no end. And I encourage all of you out there uh, to support those those guys vocally and women and women vocally too. Mm-hmm. One yeah. thing one thing that is a little nuts is that in the days leading up to the election, if that the thing that Michael Cohen had suppressed had come out, because I think it was like about 10 days before the election, mm-hmm. the Stormy Daniels thing, would that have had any influence do you know what I mean? Like, there's parts of me that that yeah. wonder. It's like if that had been, if that piece of information had been leaked, because I feel like the thing that sealed Hillary's fate towards the end was that the resurfacing of the emails very close to uh-huh. her. You know what I mean? So it's like 
just that lead up to the election can also be such a right damning time. It doesn't change your point about you're like, but still vote. I, yeah. I, I see I, it on your face. I, She's like, but vote also, but, but, but also, but definitely vote. Well, definitely I, vote. I will point to the fact that yesterday, right after this news broke about Manafort and Cohen. Trump led a rally in West Virginia where people were shouting, lock her up, lock her up. Uh, just no impact whatsoever on people who are who are Trumpers, you know, yeah. and that that is super upsetting. It's just like this kind of stuff is not going to make an impact because they don't believe media. And so he's he's created this um, narrative where anything coming out of CNN or MSNBC or the, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times just isn't true. Yeah. Famous liberal bastion, the Wall Street Journal. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> the, yeah. Truth. Truth isn't truth now. Yeah. So. Well, I, I think that one thing that might be positive about continuing to show his rallies, because I hate that they're wall to wall covered. Yeah. But I think that there are there are people who fancy themselves reasonable Republicans who maybe don't want to be on team people still chanting lock her up like delusionally mm -hmm. months and months and months and months after this was put to bed. So maybe showing it is just like get a load of get a load of these wackos is sort of like a good way to convince people who think of themselves as reasonable that maybe a tax cut isn't worth electing a madman president. Right. But we have to move on. I want to go into some news that is a little bit thorny to talk about, and it's something that I don't think I have answers for, and I don't think that it should be positioned as a thing that should have answers. But, you know, the Me Too movement now, I think we're coming up on a year since uh, since everything went down with the Harvey Weinstein story broke. I would argue that the Me Too movement started uh, when President Trump got elected, and a bunch of women were like, what the fuck? And then, you know, we had Bill O'Reilly and, and Roger Ailes, uh, at Fox kind of falling slowly and then there was a drip drip and then all of a sudden there was a waterfall. But there's a lot going mm -hmm. on uh, in the world of sexual harassment this week and of late. So one of the things I wanted to talk about is uh, Keith Ellison, who is a, a Democratic candidate for attorney general of Minnesota. He was actually the nominee he won last week in the primary. Um, but right before the election, Ellison was accused of abuse by an ex-girlfriend who is an organizer for the Sierra Club. And she said that when they were together, uh, actually the allegation was first made public by her son who wrote about it on Facebook. And she confirmed to the New York Times that she suffered, quote, narcissist abuse during a long relationship with Allison, including verbal abuse and being dragged off the bed. But he won his uh, his primary anyway. Was uh, Minnesota has a lot of early voting. We can't be sure, you know, why he won. But I also think that being from the Twin Cities area, but across the border in Wisconsin, I know a lot of people who live in Minnesota and vote in Minnesota. And I get the impression that a lot of Minnesota voters were not super happy with how the whole Al Franken thing went down. Yeah, I think people have maybe drawn a line that's different than just any report of any sort of abusive behavior it means that I don't vote for somebody. But I mean, I'm that's just that's just, I'm pulling that totally out of my ass. But now, uh, now that he's won his primary for AG, uh, Republicans are running ads against people who support Ellison as uh, the, I'm going to read the description of it. The ad titled Ashamed has been tailored to target several Democrats running for the House of Representatives and chastises them for not calling on Mr. Ellison, who is also the deputy chairman of the Democratic National Committee, committee to drop out of the race. And so it'll be like candidate is standing by Keith Ellison. Backing Ellison instead of believing his victim, candidate should be ashamed. Grace, what are your thoughts on the Ellison allegations? I, 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 you know, it's disappointing to hear. It's always disappointing. It's always disappointing when when leaders, potential leaders of our country, um, have these allegations put against them. I, I want to draw attention to a couple things. First, my issue with us uh, talking about the kind of ramifications of this on an electoral basis is that we're. I think taking away from the problem of harassment and assault, which is a human problem, and it's not a partisan issue. And so that's what, what's so striking and so problematic to me about these ads that are politicizing and capitalizing on uh, abusive women for their own political gain. Mm -hmm. Because at the core of it, what I think we're doing is forgetting about the fact that there are women who are victims here. Mm -hmm. I strongly believe that we have no choice but to believe women when they, when they um, you know, come out with, with issues of allegations like this. And I think it's it's cause for us to remember that as a human problem, this isn't just happening in the United States. This is a worldwide problem. And and I say that because I think um, 
we can get into dangerous territory talking about whether you know Republicans are worse or Democrats are worse. Which, by the way, like I, I don't know. I mean, I think <laughs> I think it's I mean, pretty... Democrats have actually forced people to resign over this. Donald Trump is the yeah, president. Yeah, yeah. Blake, Blake Farenthold just this past week, uh, former uh, congressman from Texas, right, he still refuses to pay the eighty-four thousand dollars in taxpayer money he used to settle. Uh, harassment complaints against him that were f- that were founded, yeah. and he blamed f-tards and feminists on right. his being ousted. Um, right. We still have in Minnesota running against Angie Craig, a former radio host who has lamented ca- not being able to call women sluts anymore, who right. is a raging misogynist, and it is like. It makes me, of course, we should believe the victim. Of course, we should believe when women come forward and say that something happened to them. And of course, the Democratic Party or the the DFL is what it's called in Minnesota. Of course, the DFL party should uh, look long and hard at at Ellison's continued role in it. But like it is some shit that the Republican Party is running yeah. You supported yeah. a misogynist against Democrats. They have no fucking leg to stand on, as far as I'm concerned. They have no fucking leg to stand on. I don't know. Kieran, what do you think about the fact that that Republicans are trying, of all parties, are trying to weaponize this? It's it's thorny. I think it's thorny because I do think it's like a low move. It's like, oh, that's like, that's really shitty and low. Because yeah. it was like, I watched the ad. It's super exploitative. It's just like garbagey politic garbage. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the, you can look that up in the dictionary. Garbagey politic garbage. Garbagey <laughs> politic garbage. That's and good. it's not politics. Uh-huh. It's politics. With a K. Yeah. With a K. Uh-huh. Um, and Very so cute. it really, it really is, it felt like, it feels like strategy. It feels like tactics, which is super shitty and gross. But it's hard for me to not ignore that, like, we had Bill Clinton in office, too. Exactly. And, exactly. and, exactly. and you know, a. A, a White House intern was entirely vilified by the Democratic Party, and that was something that was just an okay thing to happen. Mm-hmm. Anita Hill happened, and that was another case where a woman wasn't believed. I really do think that it does exist. Like, I think that there is harassment is so attached to the notion of power. Mm-hmm. So because it's so attached to the notion of power, who has it, who doesn't have it, and like it's an exercise in power a lot of times, that to me is 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 prescient Mm -hmm. in the argument. So it's like, what gets dangerous is when it's like, when people on one side of the aisle are like, shame on you, and then something else comes out, and then it's like, shame on you. And I think that specifically because then it's like, you know, with something like Asia Argento, Mm -hmm. you know, coming out, then it becomes like this thing of like, well, she said this, and that's why it's wrong. And it's like that two things can be true at the same time. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Republicans can be shitty with their ad and like do a terrible job and be going like very low. Mm -hmm. and, And there can still be problems with... Keith Ellison with, you know, the way that Democrats are handling things. It's like until you really get like proportional representation in office where it it Mm -hmm. matches what our population looks like in terms of gender, race and class, I think you will continue to see these issues surface again and again. And people are benefiting. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, again, if you don't see repercussions or or um, this is the first time that we're ever seeing that it like slaps on the wrist for your actions. This was business as usual in every fucking business, Mm -hmm. in every business. Yeah. I mean, and you bring up Asia Asia Argento. Let's talk about that for a little bit. That's something that has been a developing story uh, since Sunday when The New York Times first ran a, uh, an account of a settlement that Argento, who was one of the original and most vocal accusers of Harvey Weinstein, that Arge- Argento herself sexually assaulted or, or, or committed st- statutory rape against a 17-year-old former co-star. She was paying Jimmy Bennett off to to basically not go public with it. Her ex-boyfriend, Anthony Bourdain, is alleged to have arranged the payment Karen, you said some stuff about power that I think is is really interesting because Argento had power over him. Like she played his mother in mm-hmm. a couple movies, uh, which is fucked up in its own way. But also, here here's here's another thing that here's something that I was thinking about. You know, I was I was looking at Twitter today, as is my custom, and <laughs> Ben Shapiro was tweeting about text messages that had been leaked, where Argento essentially confirms mm-hmm. that she had slept with him. And what was weird to me was that like Shapiro seemed kind of almost crowing about it. Like he was glad that the woman who accused Harvey Weinstein herself is appears to be guilty of perpetuating sexual 
harassment and misconduct. I mean, there is there if you are a victim of domestic violence, if you're a victim of uh, of sexual violence, the chances that that will be perpetuated down the line mm-hmm. in your own history or in your own, like in the way that you act moving forward is more like those numbers just go up, yeah. you know, so that well, that is that is a real thing. And yes. that is a thing that that I think about, too. And that doesn't that doesn't make it OK. That doesn't make it right. But what happens is hurt people hurt people. Yeah. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so it's like and then an abuse of power happened to you and she did exactly the same mm-hmm. thing. She was acting out literally exactly the same thing. For me, it's like the thing that that strikes me is, again, two things can be true at once. Mm-hmm. You can be a, a victim of rape and you can also be a perpetuator of rape, you know, mm-hmm. and I think you had tweeted or you had sent along that tweet from Connor Habib that said, like, mm-hmm. this idea of the quest for the perfect victim, mm-hmm. you know, and this is I for me, I'm like, that's a thing that's existed. Con- Connor Habib, by the way, is a um, former uh, sex worker who mm-hmm. has who's like incredibly brilliant. He's a friend of mine. He's really smart about issues of like consent and mm-hmm. sex work and violence and, and how that all kind of interacts. And so his thoughts on this were super interesting, yeah. I, I think. And the perfect victim thing happens in a lot of cases, it's like the and the, when it comes to Harvey Weinstein's victims, we've seen a kind of smear campaign that it seems as though some heft has been behind, like Rose McGowan getting arrested for cocaine possession after leaving her wallet on an airplane mm-hmm. and they found a baggie in it. Like that's it's just so strange. Mm-hmm. Um, Asia Argento, clearly she had done something bad in the past but the way the New York Times got the story was that it was all sent to them anonymously in this very professional fingerprint free way mm-hmm. uh, the way TMZ got the um, the text messages confirming that she had had the sexual encounter with Bennett uh, was a similar thing it was like anonymously submitted and you know this is oh, here you go do with it what you will mm-hmm. I think that the thing is that we're seeing in common between the uh, ads against Ellison Ellison supporters and this sort of Weinstein-esque push against uh, Asia Argento is that we get into a place where like, is rape bad or is it not bad? If it's bad, it's bad whenever anybody does it. Mm-hmm. If Is sexual misconduct bad or is it not mm-hmm. bad? If it's bad, it's bad when everybody... If it's not bad, it's not bad when anybody does it. So you can't be a Republican attacking someone for sexual misconduct and supporting somebody who commits sexual misconduct. You can't be Harvey Weinstein being like, I'm not a rapist because look at this monster rapist saying I'm a rapist. It's like that. that doesn't... That doesn't fly. It's like a snake eating its own tail. But that's so much of how politics as usual happens. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like that's that's what we are used to see. We are used to witnessing that hypocrisy, which is, I think, why so many people get disillusioned with mm-hmm. people in power and in leadership. It's like because you are seeing exactly that. You're seeing somebody being like, oh, I'm the good one. And then it's like, you know, a story comes out about them doing something super shitty. You know what I mean? Snakes do eat their own tails and we see it constantly and we're used to it. The other thing I want to used to, I've never seen a snake. If I came, (laughs) if I walked out of the recording studio right now and there was a snake there eating its own tail, I would be like, "That is fucked up." Snakes shed their skin. Erin, you haven't seen enough snakes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think that that that's a good point, and I think that that is probably why politics is so frustrating. I'm just curious, what does this all mean Mm -hmm. for like the Me Too movement? Not that it has like leaders or is something like we don't have meetings. We don't, we don't all get together. We don't get like group texts that are like, hey guys, we're taking down the celebrity this week. Like, what do you think this means for... for oh, you're not on the email chain? Oh God, Aaron. Oh, oh no. I'm I've got so sorry. Hashtag Me Too FOMO. Yeah, yikes. So you're not going on the cruise? I mean, <laughs> the Me Too cruise. Yeah. <laughs> I already got champagne for that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. No. I'm, I'm getting a ride with Grace. Of course, yeah. Oh God. It's, um, I mean, it's just carpooling. <laughs> you guys, okay, I get it. You fucking hate me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what what do we what do we think this means for like the Me Too movement in general? Do you think we're kind of getting into the messy nuance? We've like moved past the initial catharsis, and now we're trying to like go through the thorny, thorny yeah, this, this uncharted is, territory. This is rough. You you, you always you, you need leaders. I mean, the reality is like Rose McGowan has kind of uh, arisen as one of the more vocal members of the of the movement, and I think it's been generally very positive things. But very positive thing. But when you mention the the cocaine and the wallet, like that kind of stuff, seeks to take her down. So what we're seeing is that there inevitably are people who rise to the top of these power structures. And what's frustrating is when you see those voices, whether it's Rose McGowan or whether it's Asia, um, 
being taken down, and and with very good reason, obviously, uh, especially with with uh, the Asia Argento case. But all of this seeks to undermine the movement in general, and and seeks to undermine the fact that. Uh, Me Too is not exclusive to the entertainment industry, nor mm-hmm. is it exclusive to the political spectrum. Yeah. But yeah. what we're seeing, I think, is unfortunately a, a focus. To, uh, there's too much of a focus on uh, politics and entertainment and the cases in those two industries. And it makes sense because it's sexier than mm-hmm. the literature. Those movement, people also say. have like a, a, a mouthpiece by design. Their job is partially yeah, yeah. to project themselves publicly. But I and think- so like there's no like, you know, there, there's no... A, a movie star has a relationship where people see them and yeah, people yeah. think that they're entitled to their lives. And a person who works in like, you know, a, a hotel room, like is a hotel maintenance person doesn't necessarily have the same uh, outlet. That's why I think it's contingent on the people who rise as leaders of a movement like this to speak up for people who don't have the kind of platforms that those in, indus- in the industries of entertainment and politics do. Mm-hmm. Because you have to keep in mind that this is not just exclusive to those two industries. So if you if you know that, how can you make sure to make this a universal platform for as many people as possible? Yeah. And for me, I'm less worried than both of you, I think, about about the status of Me Too as a movement, because I am like I've done a lot of research about this area specifically, like just, you know, for other projects. But it's mm-hmm. like I know that categorically it exists. It exists top down in academia. Mm-hmm. It exists. Medicine. Know, yeah. In medicine. It's, the it's, service in, it's in STEM. It's just it really is everywhere. And mm-hmm. to me, it's not going away. And And when you look historically, it's just like no group or movement in any struggle has ever been monolithic, has ever had perfect leaders. Like I think it's. The questions are super normal. They're super complicated. And the approaches to solve them are going to be as many as the people affected by them. You mm-hmm. know, it's like the the fact that, you know, different people are gonna, like, oh, do we get rid of everyone who's in power, anyone who has any hypocrisy in their background? Like, these are questions that were asked during the civil rights movement. Yeah. That's the reason why Rosa Parks rose as opposed to the two women before her who, you know, were put to the back of the bus who didn't have such, like, pristine records is because there has always been strategy in the mm-hmm. way that you approach who who gets that platform or who rises or who becomes a poster child, which I really do think comes back to that question of like, you know, when are we going to be able to, you know, kind of hold an identity of a person as imperfect where they can be a victim and a perpetrator of things at the same time? Right. Or two things can be true. You can be an amazing president and also a piece of shit to women. Like these mm-hmm. things can exist together and yeah. one does not necessarily take away from that other thing, like, we all have complex identities, I suppose. What if you're yeah. a terrible president and yeah. a piece of shit to women? Yeah, what if you, it's a bad what combo. if it turns combo. out, in, in with the benefit of hindsight, you weren't actually that great a president at all? And you kind of didn't even want to be president. Yeah, what if that's the case? Like, hmm. I think that's, those are really good points, by the way. I just want to compliment I agree, you and I, but, I, but I want to add, Kieran, that I think that your point, that it's something that that's, like, huge and all-encompassing, is maybe why people like Ben Shapiro and, uh, like, social conservatives seem to crow whenever it seems that there's a crack in the uh, the veneer of like the movement in, in one way or the other because I think deep down inside a lot of people realize that this is like a massive seismic social change that will if it continues to move forward kind of upend the order mm-hmm. sure uh, and and that's that's terrifying in a, in a visceral way and I also think that what some people are counting on is for people to just, get excited with the the easy victories and then kind of move on when they get bored with having to deal with nuance or when they get bored or or kind of frustrated with having to actually go back and and uh, take down somebody who's normally on their side. And I also think that, you know, you brought up the civil rights movement and the difference between Me Too and the civil rights movement is that the you civil rights, the yeah, way. the yeah. civil rights movement was a lot more organized. The Me Too movement was like use a hashtag, and whoever goes viral mm-hmm. is suddenly the spokesperson for this. So we weren't necessarily able to cultivate and choose the leaders of Me Too in a way that you know the civil rights movement was able to choose Rosa Parks. We have to just go with who was the loudest and the quickest, and now we're seeing how that looks. Do you think that we need a governing board of some kind? I mean, I, you, I we think, mentioned those kind of in jest earlier. I think we but... need to unionize. I've been saying this for a really I long time. I don't hate that idea. You, I like the way that you just want to unionize everything. You're like, juice, it needs to be unionized. It all needs it all needs unionization. But we have to take a break. But when we come back, personal political. Last week, we launched Vote Save America, Crooked's step-by-step guide to make sure everyone votes in the 2018 midterms. 
If you go to votesaveamerica.com right now, you can pledge to vote and get involved in campaigns going on in your community. Also, you'll get a confirmation email where you can check and see if you're registered to vote. Right now, these are the main things we want you to do. We get emails all the time that are like, what do we do? This is what we want you to do. Go to votesaveamerica.com. But as we get closer to the election, we'll be rolling out more tools to let you know what the big issues are in your state, who's on your ballot, where to vote, and how to make sure everyone else you know votes too. You can also join our Vote Save America Facebook group and follow the Vote Save America hashtag to see all the great work people just like you have already been doing. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe Mushroom Coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I, mean, I just like, I, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time yeah. when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, <laughs> not, not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount, text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have. To, I refuse to be uncomfortable I refu- if I want to be productive. I refuse <laughs> to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. They're very, like, on oh. a, almost like a couch nap. You know, you have like a, oh yeah. you've got like maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a like small break. I'm very tired. I'm going to just like lay down for 20 minutes. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect for couch napping. Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. Just put a a blazer and like... Denim shirt. Denim Denim shirt, blazer, leggings. So easy. 100%. And, of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit falling just above the knee while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. It's perfect. He is. Like, I think my, my dad is one of those people that just, like, beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're... 
they look like a security blanket that a 30 year old yep. still has where it's just like a ball of string and you're like um, our dads are the same yeah yeah but um my dad has had his for like a couple years now and i think I, I saw him wearing them the other week when i met up with um family on a on a short weekend trip and they still looked great it was like dad your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats to keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. And we're back with a segment we call Personal Political. This is where we kind of talk about stuff that isn't maybe the most pressing leading the Rachel Maddow show story, but it's something that that we are thinking about and talking about. Um, I want to talk about representation in pop culture. Um, and the reason I want to talk about it is because Crazy Rich Asians is a crazy rich hit it mm-hmm. won the top spot in the box office, I believe, over the five-day weekend. I think it took in $34 million was the last number I saw, which is good. It beat the Mark Wahlberg movie. Um, I don't know what it's Wal- – two Wahlberg – two Mark, two Wahlberg. Electric, <laughs> <laughs> electric boo. Wahlbergen. <laughs> Wahlbergen? <laughs> With, a, like, a little apostrophe? Yeah, I like, think so. It's a verb now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's a gerund with a folksily dropped G. Yep. Um, but here's something I was thinking about. You know, there's there's a cover uh, story of Time magazine about how the Crazy Rich Asians is changing everything. Um, there's a ton of, of stories, and, and a lot of Asian-American women I know are really excited about seeing people that look like them on the big screen depicted in this, like, fun, funny uh, way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also was thinking about how there have been a lot of hits involving people that you don't necessarily always see represented in film over the last several years. And all of them have had a similar like kind of reaction cycle to them. And then what ends up happening is nothing really changes that much. Um, so almost exactly a year ago, a year ago, Girls Trip hit $100 million at the box office. And I remember when that came out, everyone was like, oh, look, a group of hilarious black women can carry a road trip movie. And mm-hmm. I think they're making Girls Trip too, but there, haven't been a, there hasn't been a ton of changes when it comes to representation in film. Mm-hmm. Uh, TV is different, but in film, it's, it's pretty much still the same. Um, earlier this summer, Black Panther broke $700 million domestic. Uh, also incredible. Also, you know, the change that's happening is pretty glacial. And then I was thinking back to 2011 when Bridesmaids proved finally, once and for all, <laughs> that women can be funny. Uh, and that's why all the movies now are made with women being funny. All I the just, women. I hate to sound cynical because I don't want to pretend like Crazy Rich Asians isn't breaking barriers or breaking new ground. Because it is. Uh-huh. But I also am a little bit... Uh, I'm, I, I, I hesitate to participate in Hollywood patting its own back for doing things like this. And Karen, I know that you have, you know, worked on features and you've made uh, documentaries and you have personal experience trying to get something made that features people that aren't necessarily people that you always see. And I just would love to hear your thoughts on Crazy Rich Asian success and what that means for other people who are not white dudes making movies. Yeah, I would say, well, first the positive, I don't know if you found this too, Grace. It's like, I know on Facebook, I know I've had friends who are Asian American being like, oh, it's so emotional. Because like it's like Crazy Rich Asians is essentially a Cinderella story, but it's like cho- like choking up when they go to the movies because it's like you literally, I know that feeling when you literally haven't seen anyone who looks like you mm-hmm. on screen and the way that that affects who you think you can be. I think that even even as a, 
you know, we think of ourselves all as like relatively intelligent or like independent thinkers, but I remember- no, I'm an idiot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except for you, Erin. You know, you, that's Aaron. why you weren't invited to the cruise. I'm so, so we're going to miss um, you so much. Yeah. Um, you guys I'm are gonna so miss you. mean. <laughs> You're so mean. I'm sorry I interrupted you, Karen. Continue. No, no, but there's definitely like, but I saw people's reactions on Facebook. People were buying tickets for other people. Like this one writer that I know got, you know, 10 or 20 tickets for other people so that people could go and see this film, which is really- you know, this 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 idea of a movement. And even when you hear the actors in that movie talking about it and saying how they felt like they're a part of something bigger than themselves, because you know, and the example I'll give is like when I started stand up, it had never occurred to me to do stand up. Like it never occurred to me that like I could be a person who did stand up. And it took being a part of that CBS Diversity Showcase, which Grace, you now are a director for. Yeah, very impressive. Yeah. Um, but it's like, but seeing, you know, people like, Tiffany Haddish or Hassan Minaj like actually like doing stand-up and being in the same room as them and I was like oh maybe that's a thing I could do mm -hmm. do you know what I mean like before they were like big you know um you know with the all the all the people all the people them. yeah all yeah but just it them. was that I thought that was very powerful and to me it's like crazy rich Asians does that I think I think the reason that films um I think the reason that film has a very glacial um kind of pace in which it 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 is moving is film is a super high risk business. Like I like, cause I've, cause I definitely more than probably anyone here get like very heated and like get on my high horse about all kinds of like, why isn't this moving faster? Blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, like yes. you know, I do yeah, a lot of finger pointing, a lot of, <laughs> lot of Bernie. She's doing a jig right now. Yeah. In the studio with a lot of Bernie pointing. finger pointing. It's sort of like a 1920s era jig. You're doing like the sort of loose wristed, like Charleston. That's right. The stock market will never go down. That's You're right. yelling yeah. at the chimney sweep in the corner right there. You better <laughs> hurry up and do as well now. <laughs> oh, you've got a good, you've got a good barky early 20th century. <laughs> Voice, Why, thank you so much. This is how I grew up, you know. <laughs> That's how they do it in Texas. That's how they do it in Texas, see. <laughs> so it's, I mean, it does move really slowly. And and it's it's something that uh, it is it is high risk. But mm -hmm. why do you think that, um, like, do you know of any stories of people, like, trying to get f films made with, like, maybe a lesser known person of color at, at the head of it and got, getting pushed back from studios? Yeah, so I would say, like, okay, so in the negative, it's, like, in terms of, when you are trying to make a movie and you're trying to make a bankable film, because the because film is such a high risk business, people are looking for ways to ensure their investment, ways to say that we can guarantee that this movie is going to make X, Y, or Z amounts of money. So all of that is based on past history. So if you don't have examples of black women or Asian people or, you know, or you know, a black superhero movie, it becomes very hard to create the paradigm of saying like we can predict that this is going to make this much money. It becomes an even more high-risk venture mm -hmm. in a high-risk venture, you know. And so I think that it, there's a thing called, you guys probably know about it, there's a thing called foreign value. Mm -hmm. um, I put that in air quotes. Mm -hmm. That's assigned to each actor. So um, Tom Cruise is considered a quote-unquote valuable actor because he can open a movie theater in Czechoslovakia. Will Smith is a valuable actor because you can go to a village in Africa and kids will be like, Will Smith, Will Smith, they know who he is, which means that your name can open up a movie theater somewhere else. Uh -huh. We have very few of those people who are minorities. We just have very few of them in general, even white guys, even white women. Like mm -hmm. it's a it's a tiny handful of people and it's getting smaller as the industry becomes more diversified anyway. And as like, you know, movies include people across the board and stories become more important than the people in the stories. Mm -hmm. Like you have very few, like the idea of the bankable movie star of the nineties, the Harrison Ford or whatever is already going away, but it is the system that people hold on to, yeah. to, to help them defray the cost or say to an investor, like, yo, this is why this is going to work. This is why you're going to make your money back. So there's, you have to remember that there's a huge divide yeah. between the between what an audience is looking for and like who feels underrepresented and like why wouldn't you put you know a trans woman in a role to play a trans woman and people who are taking the risk who are getting the money from people who are taking the risk and who are justifying that risk are mm -hmm. those people who are putting in money uh perchance uh old white men just throwing that out there <laughs> i could be way off the mark <laughs> Still trying to figure out who individual <laughs> one is over here. yeah yeah just like just all the well i think it's it, it's and that's the the dirty little secret of Hollywood. It's like, if you can bankroll it, the you can... dirty little secret. There's yeah. There's one. only one. There's only one. And like the, I think the most important one is like, if you can bankroll it, you can make it right. So mm -hmm. it's like, if you can get somebody who has a bone to pick, who like wants to make the thing about Asians or make the thing about, 
women or make the thing about black women, then you make the movie. But yeah. these are very, very high risk endeavors. You have to be willing to like lose the money. You have to remember that to market a film. So even if you make a movie for under five million, it's like to market the P&A on that movie is like another 20 million. So that movie needs to make over like 25 million, which is why you're seeing so many movies on Netflix. It's it's people I, I try to remind myself it's like people aren't meaning to be sexist and racist they are following a business model out of fear and it leads to them looking sexist and racist right uh it's not that like i'm gonna be sexist and racist today it's like <laughs> i'm a i'm afraid i'm looking at the business models that exist before me it's not worth my job to take the risk or be the one to put myself on the front lines mm -hmm. and that's why I don't want to take these bets. But that's why it's so insidious, right? Because we, nobody thinks that it's their fault. And everybody, a lot of the people who are like, wow, we should be less, you know, we, the royal we, that which always doesn't include the person talking about it, we should be less sexist and racist. Sexist and, uh, sexism and racism is bad. But they just, it doesn't occur to them that they're people that are perpetuating it. And the reason it perpetuates is because it's so mundane. It's, it's not something mm -hmm. that people think of. It is. There's a mundaneness. One article that I did like, there was, and I think I sent it to both of you guys, was mm -hmm. uh, the Vulture article where they were talking about to all the boys I loved before. No spoilers. Oh, yeah. No, so no, 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 no. I haven't watched it yet. No, I, I no spoilers. But wait. that was the Netflix movie that came out with an Asian American girl in the lead. And like it got a little bit of heat on Twitter and social media. And people were saying it's the first like good rom-com that Netflix has released. And it's really striking to see an Asian American girl as a lead. It's based on a book property. And uh, the, the author was saying that she really wanted to keep the integrity of the lead being Asian American and only one production company was willing to do that. Again, very high risk for mm -hmm. the production companies, but I believe it was Overbrook Entertainment, which is Will Smith's company. So again, mm -hmm. somebody with a tremendous amount of power, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I don't know if any of those people listen, but it's like, you need front runners like those to say that, you know, we, we can make a, a viable change right. or we believe that heroes can look like something else. And hopefully when people continue voting with their money at the box office, there becomes more of a track record over time. Mm -hmm. um, and that is going to help you make a case to continue moving in that direction. A couple of things on that. First of all, I think that's why in some ways uh, to all the boys I've loved before is maybe even more impactful than Crazy Rich Asians because I think what, what we're seeing right now with Crazy Rich Asians is an example of Hollywood still perpetuating tokenism. So like, yes, this is the Asian movie, but it's the Asian movie. Mm. There's one out there right now. Mm. And that is not showing progress just yet. Mm -hmm. So this goes back Could to... Could be step one in progress, but absolutely. for now it is it is step question mark. Exactly, exactly. And and I think we are seeing that with some with some types of filmmakers. Like the fact right now that, that right now you can watch Sorry to Bother You and Black Klansmen, that you have movies by by Boots Riley and Spike Lee coexisting out and they're both excellent. Um, you know, from African-American men is huge. And I think 10 years ago wouldn't have existed because the tokenism of there really only being space for one African-American director mm -hmm. was the thing that existed. And we are moving in a direction right where right now you can have multiple African-American male directors out there creating. Uh, and we need to start seeing that ultimately with uh, all of the minority voices out there. I know from the, you know, Latina perspective, Latinx perspective, um, you know, we've had a few discussions about this, actually. It, it's, it's, it's at once exhilarating and a little frustrating to see so many Mexican directors uh, achieving a ton of success. But where are the Mexican actors and where are the Latino actors uh, who are, you know, in the movies put out by Mexican directors? Mm -hmm. um, and this was something because we said, like, there's like Los Tres Amigos, which is like mm -hmm. Inuretu, Alfonso Cuaron and mm -hmm. Guillermo del Toro, who just mm -hmm. won. They've all won Oscars mm -hmm. for best directing or best film or whatever it is. They've all won Oscars. Killing the game. Killing it. Killing and they're it. best friends. Yep. Oh, my God. Like, can we just be friends with them? Yeah. First of all, <laughs> Guillermo note. del Toro, by the way. Played uh, Pappy McPoyle on Always Sunny. Oh, that's Guillermo, what? Yeah, that's I Guillermo didn't know that. Okay, my mind is blown right I now. I just like the idea of like oh him with God. his big glasses and his like big eyes, <gasps> yeah. just being like, "I like my monsters. I need to <laughs> Thank hear you for that liking story. me and my monsters. Yeah, he's <laughs> in like, he loves his monsters. <laughs> yeah, he's he is an adorable man. You just want to give him a hug. He loves his monsters and he's Danny DeVito. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. God, I love that. That's very very cool. But the big thing is, but but all of those movies do star. Holly, like it's Sandra Bullock, it's Michael Keaton. They all star white actors, mm -hmm. and it's like to an extent, I'm sure that they were they were participating in the Hollywood system because they're like, this is how I'm going to get my movie made. And I don't fault them, but I definitely see the room for growth of being able to, you know, open and expand that. And what's cool is hopefully now 
you know, there's a little bit more of a precedent to be like, yo, these movies can make money. The other thing that you have to remember is that the movies now, they have to be good. Mm-hmm. Like you got, mm-hmm. it's very, mm-hmm. very hard to make a good movie. Mm-hmm. Make a fucking dope movie. Mm-hmm. Like make a movie that's dope and then put people in who might not look like, you know, whatever the status quo is. But is, it, the movie has to be good. You can't just put minorities in a thing, have them be garbage. Mm-hmm. You know, there's yeah. terrible actors of every ethnicity. You got to have a dope actor and you got to have a dope movie. That's my that's my soapbox. Mm-hmm. I think that, speech. you know, it's <laughs> dope actor, dope movie. Dope like, actor, dope movie. And, and keep I think, it in your pants. I think and it, keep it in your pants. Keep it in your pants. But and I th- don't come on the cruise, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have to take a break, and I'm going to yell at Karen and Grace for not taking me on the Me Too cruise. Uh, but when we come back, dessert. Ready for an amazing deal? BreezeLine's fiber-powered internet starting at $19.99 per month offers the reliability you deserve and security you can trust. Whether you're streaming, gaming, or working from home, we've got all your needs covered with speeds up to one gig and our two-year price lock guarantee. This deal gets even better with two free months of internet, free equipment, and free Wi-Fi your way to protect against cyber threats. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires July 8th, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shims that eliminate noise for the life of the pad, rubber-coated hardware for a better fit, and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. And we're back with dessert. This is the part of the show where we talk about stories that would never, ever, ever make the front page because they don't really matter. But we can't stop thinking about them anyway. I have a story that is my favorite news story of the week. (laughs) The headline is woman cons dozens of men into date, then sets them against each other. So Natasha Aponte, who is a model in New York City, uh, went on Tinder, as as a lot of women do, and set up one-on-one dates with not one, not two. She didn't pull the what the Mike Seaver and set up like two dates. Not two, but dozens and dozens of men. Uh, and she set the date. She said, meet me in Union Square Park at X o'clock in the afternoon, 6 p.m. on a Sunday. Um, hundreds of men arrived at Union Square Park <laughs> at 6 p.m. thinking they were going to go on a one-on-one date with Natasha Aponte. And what they found was a stage where her friend was DJing and Aponte took the stage and explained that she was going to like subject them to a series of challenges to get them to go out on to figure out who gets to go on a date with him with her. One of the men uh, made a Twitter thread about this and it, it went viral. That's how we all know about it. And also just grain of salt. It seems like there was a company like a PR company behind the effort I still think that it was it was really fucking funny. I think it's great. Everybody uh, should do that. I think yeah, I think it's fun. I, I think like it's it's hilarious to see um, brand integration now with dating apps. Right. That like this is I guess this is the wave of the future. Why market anywhere else but Tinder because this is where people are. So yeah, <laughs> maybe she was just promoting like male friendships. It's really hard maybe. for adult men in America to make friends. That is a well known sociological fact. So That's maybe true. she was doing a social good. <laughs> was it was it to promote Tinder specifically? No, was that not the to brand? promote Tinder. But she was working with a production company called the Rob Bliss Creative, yeah, uh, which is a viral marketing company. So they're they're trying they're definitely trying some experiments to see how how things can go viral via dating apps. Um, Well, a lot of things can go bacterial via dating apps. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Grace, what's your story? Uh, My story is, um, this is so hilarious to me. Hooters are closing 
Because millennials don't like boobs. <laughs> so apparently okay, they're... Okay, what? Okay. Okay, the number, the, the number of Hooters uh, stores, Hooters, of course, being the, uh, the Wang's place. You can go and get Wang's and tits at the same time. But you can't get tits. It's just like, I guess, ladies in like tight shirts. Yeah, and they who are have, being paid to be there. Or be, who are being paid to be there will also serve you hot wings. Um, and uh, the number of Hooters in the U.S. has fallen by 7% uh, from 2012 to 2016. So uh, this is because millennials apparently are not going to Hooters. And specifically, there is a study that says that millennials are just not as interested in boobs anymore. And this um, is from, from Pornhub. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is not true. I think maybe people just don't want to see boobs while they're also eating chicken wings. And right. It's, it's a very <laughs> specific demographic of yeah. the boobs. Because strip clubs haven't gone down I don't in think, their patronship. I don't think right? they have. And there's a lot of boobs at strip clubs also. Yeah. And I think there's also a lot of butts at Hooters, just like there's a lot of butts at strip clubs too. So mm-hmm. let's, I mean, just be equal offenders here uh, or equal lovers perhaps of both the rump and the tit. Yeah. Um, also, like the rump and the tit. The rump the, and the tit. That's the name of your first the, novel. The rump and the tit by Grace Parra. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was picturing that sounds more like an old timey English pub to me. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a nice. The rump yeah. and the tit. Go get a toad in the hole. Uh, Kieran, what's your dessert today? Nayral offered a abortion flavored ice cream, which flavored flavored ice ooh. cream that causes a stir. Now I was very excited when I clicked on this because I was stir. like, "Ooh, are there are there gummy babies in the ice cream?" Like I was very excited. You wanted it to be real dark. I wanted it to go. I mean, that was like I wanted it to go dark. I wanted there to be cherries. I wanted there to be <laughs> red colors. Well, like that's yeah. where I was. Like my mind was like, "Ooh, this is we're going on a deep dive, mm-hmm, people." Mm-hmm. But no, um, they this ice cream shop in Portland did a rock. Rocky Roe v. Wade ice cream that caused a stir. They're, so they're giving, it, they were charging like $9.50 and they're giving um, the money to NARAL to quote unquote save Roe from President Trump's Supreme Court nominee, Brett Kavanaugh. So, you know, which is, which is a, I thought that's a, a fun gesture. I mean, and apparently it was still a controversial one that made the news on Fox News. Yeah. But for me, I was like, Rocky Roe v. Wade is just putting, you're just taking an old ice cream flavor and adding Roe v. Wade to it. You it's wanted not like it you, to yeah. be offensive. I wanted it to be an invention yeah. of like a kind of like abortive ice cream flavor. Do you like, know what I mean? Like maybe something that like flavors that just don't belong together perhaps? <laughs> I think you could go a number like this of ways. Is, this is an abortion of a flavor. It's peanut butter and pickles. Actually, oh. I did have peanut butter and pickle from Salt and Straw recently. Delicious. Okay. Oh man! But, yeah, but okay. Salt and Straw is a great example. They're creating yeah. new flavors every yes. month. So I thought that they were going to create a f- flavors that would be the abortion flavors. Oh, your, okay. you know. your taste buds, your 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 palate was not tickled. Yeah, I was. I, I was. I mean, just as Fox News was disappointed that uh, there was abortion flavored ice cream, I was disappointed that it wasn't more specifically abortion flavored. So okay. we were all a little disappointed. You're but, just coming at it from different angles. Yeah, we're we're disappointed for different reasons. <laughs> right. um, I was thinking it might be like morning after ice cream. If you just had a had a rough night and you're like, I, you know what, I think I screwed up. Then you can go have some ice cream. And, sure. And I think it, that's a nice. I think that's a that's a business. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, guys. I quit. Um, Well, that's all the time we have for dessert. Let's do the hill I'll die on. Kieran, do you want to go first? My hill would be Mm -hmm. I'm at a place in my life where I don't want to be in love. Like you were saying, yeah, I was going to say you you were talking about the – you liked the you liked the mass Tinder date, but in a way, I was like, "But all those people trying to find love, I like felt bad for them." I know that I personally am in a place where I don't want to be in love. I just want to be not irritated. Uh, don't Mm -hmm. annoy me with your, uh, open mouth chewing and the way that Mm. you smell and by farting in my bed and creating, you know, um, an atomic proportion of, of garbage fire in my bed. You know what I mean? Uh Like I, I, like I don't, I'm, my standards are lower. That's what I'm saying as a human being. That's where, that's where I am as a person. And I think that's when. You'll find companionship. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a way to do it. Okay, the hill I'll die on this week is that I think beaches are kind of gross. Yeah, I think that that's, I think they're yes. kind of like they're just they're they're there. It's like the people that are laying on them. They, you lay on them all day, and then you get up and you leave, and the next day it's the same sand, but new bodies and feet and water. It's and and the ocean is kind of nature's toilet, and you know people are peeing in that shit. People are peeing. Sure. People are peeing everywhere. But mm-hmm. Earth is used by everyone also all the time. It's all disgusting. It's all disgusting. <laughs> a, it's, it's all, all disgusting. disgusting.
Okay, great. So um, it's yours. I, like Karen, I, I would also like to not be irritated, but what I'm talking about here is hair follicle irritation, which is to say I the hill that I will die on is that male razors are just better than female razors for mm. all parts of our body. Mm. And I think that is fucked up, and I don't like it, and I want someone to prove me wrong. I want a razor that's marketed for women to actually be better and to get that close shave than male razors. Male because razors I've, are good. I've gone straight male razor now for the last several years, and male um, shaving cream, too, because it's cheaper and because it's better. Huh. Well, yeah. pink, no pink tax. No, on pink, that. Tax no pink tax on, on that, that at all. So, yeah, hit me up if you guys have a good female razor that I need to get on. <laughs> I'm in the market. <laughs> all right. Grace and Kieran, thank you so much for hanging out today. Thank you. Uh, See you on the cruise. Yeah, to the Oops. cruise, Grace. To the cruise. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening to Hysteria. If you want to get in touch, hysteria at crooked.com. If you like what you heard, please rate us on iTunes and also tell all your friends. And we will see you next week. Finding the music you love shouldn't be hard. That's why Pandora makes it easy to explore all your favorites and discover new artists and genres you'll love. Enjoy a personalized listening experience simply by selecting any song or album, and we'll make a station crafted just for you. Best of all, you can listen for free. Download Pandora on the Apple App Store or Google Play and start hearing the soundtrack to your life. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 